Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Today we're gonna to be doing a stock analysis on ExxonMobil, ticker symbol XOM. In today's stock analysis, I'm gonna give my price target, look at Q4 results, give a brief business description, look at the stock price history, their performance versus their peers. We're gonna look at the fundamentals and financials. We're gonna evaluate oil prices and where they may go and how that may influence ExxonMobil's price moving forward. We're gonna look at the dividend information and I'm gonna give my final thoughts on XOM as an investment. These videos take quite a bit of time to produce, so if you don't mind and you like this type of content, please consider subscribing and hit that like button. Now, to your content. Now, I always like to start with my price target. So back on November 13th, when I did my last Exxon Mobil stock analysis, I had a price target of $70 to $80 in the next 12 months, or about a 9 to 25% upside. We've seen that 25% upside since that video, and now we're sitting here trading around $80 a share, so I need to provide an update on the guidance. Now, I'm changing that guidance up to $90 to $100 in the next 12 months, with an upside of 12.5 to 25%, or a downside, in my opinion, around 6 and 12, 12.5% if it retraced down to about $70 a share. So with that being said, I'm gonna cover, cover this as we go through as to some of the risk about ExxonMobil, but you need to be careful that this does have some downside risk at this point, whether uh, the price of oil goes down, whether supply um, dramatically shoots up, you do have some risk around ExxonMobil. Um, but right now, momentum is in the positive direction and I will be um, I will be holding this position until um, we see a change in that momentum or a slowdown in stock uh, oil prices. I do think $100 oil is possible, and I do think it is possible that Exxon trades up there, but when we saw a $100 ExxonMobil back in 2014, or for a little bit of period of time, we saw $100 oil sustained for multiple months. We'll talk about that a little bit more in detail as we go throughout the rest of this video, but at a high level, those are the highlights. Now Exxon reported their Q2 earnings on February 1st. Their earnings per share came in at $2.05 per share, and the analyst estimates had them at $1.96, so they beat analyst expectations by $0.09, cents, or about 4.5%. On the revenue side, they reported $84.96 billion compared to analyst expectations of $84.58, or a beat of about 380 basically flat in terms of percentages of of how much they beat analyst expectations by. So good beat there on earnings per share, but basically didn't beat on uh, earnings, or revenue, I should say. All right, so jumping to the highlights from the earnings release. So basically the big news here is that they initiated a $10 billion share repurchase program. Now this is the first time they've done this in five years, and compared to their market cap, this would be about around 3% of their market cap. So you can expect some returns there on top of the dividend on top of any appreciation that may happen uh, for XLM as well. And that might be why we saw the uh, stock price jump as high as 5% um, after these earnings and after this news was uh, announced. Now, a couple of the other highlights, they generated 48 billion in cash flow from operating activities, the highest level since 2012. So that's, a, that's great news. Um, and they were able to cover their capital investments, debt reduction and dividend without, without having to take on additional debt, which is something they were doing prior to cover the dividend, um, reduce their structural costs by additional 1.9 billion and increase the total savings to nearly five versus their 2019 levels. They strengthen their balance sheet and pay down 20 billion in debt. And they expect to achieve 2025 emission reduction plans for four, year, four years ahead of schedule. And for the ESG folks, they aim to achieve the net zero scope one and two greenhouse gas emissions for operated assets by 2050 with plans to achieve zero net 
uh, net zero in the Permian Basin by 2030. Now for a really quick business description, there's basically three segments in oil and gas, upstream, midstream, and downstream. You have the upstream, which is basically the exploration, the extraction out of the ground. You have midstream, which is the transportation and storage. Then you have downstream, which is basically the distribution where it could be um, refineries as well as you know your retail outlets that, such as gas stations. Looking at Exxon stock price over the last five years, you can see during the pandemic, they dropped all the way down to $32 and they've risen 140 something percent since then. Now that they're trading near $80, you can look back and see that they've traded $80 before the pandemic multiple times, but they didn't really hover around that too much. They definitely dipped down into $70 and right before the pandemic, they're trading around 70. So do they deserve to be trading at 80? Let's talk a little bit more about that in reference to supply as well as oil prices. So if we expand this out a little bit further, we're gonna go all the way back to 2010. You can see they're trading around $59, $60. Remember, this is uh, the crash of 09. They were trading somewhere around that. So quickly after that, a couple of years, they're trading back into the $80 range. When we go to oil prices, and this is oil prices over the last 20 years, if we go back to that 2009 period, you can see the price of oil dropped quite substantially. And you can see that in the subsequent years, it hovered around $100 for quite a bit of time. So when it jumped back to 80 back then, it was trading around $100 a barrel. Now the thing is, when it was uh, it got up to 120 and started trading sideways for you know about two or three years there. And the thing you need to note here is, is at the height of that um, high commodity price of oil, Exxon hit $100. Now I've stated in the past that I think we need sustained $100 oil to repeat that. Um, based off of the momentum I'm seeing here, I'm not sure if that is going to be true. And that's why I'm not going to sell at 80 at the moment. I'm going to wait and see if commodity prices um, continue to go up. If we see $100 barrel oil, which I think is pop, 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 probable, um, sorry for stuttering there, and which I think is probable, I think we could see a $90 Exxon quite quickly. However, I do think $100 Exxon is going to be harder to achieve just based off of what we've seen historically. Um, but we do see all the bright signs from Exxon's reporting financially that we'll cover a little bit later. Um, but everything is looking good and on track to possibly get to $100 uh, Exxon. Um, but we are going to need to get to $100 oil, in my opinion, before we can ever really consider that. But, it, but oil sitting around 90, um, it is on track to get there. Um, but we need OPEC and some other things to stay in line as well as uh, demand to, to, remain, um, to remain flat and not have any uh, additional pandemic shutdowns. All right, in these types of videos, I like to do a price performance versus their peers. Now, this doesn't include any capital appreciation like dividends. Or, or sorry, it only is capital appreciation, doesn't include distributions such as dividends. Um, in this analysis, we got uh, SPY, which is S&P 500 index fund. We have XOM in gray, Shell in blue, uh, CVX, which is Chevron in gold. We have uh, British Petroleum in purple. Now, over the last 10 years, basically the SPY has outperformed, uh, you know, the oil and gas companies um, extremely well and oil companies have done nothing. And we have to go all the way down to the two-year mark before we start to see any um, close resemblance in performance. Now in the last year, since oil prices were extremely depressed down 70% and in, in some cases, 50% in most cases of these names, 
um, we're starting to see some outsized returns in comparison to the SPY, anywhere from 44 to 60%, 60% being Exxon at the moment, being the highest performer out of them all, um, uh, compared to the SPY at 16%. Going down to the six month range, we're starting to see that, that the SPY has basically been flat over the last six months, and we can still see some really outsized gains um, in oil and gas. Now going down to the one month mark, same exact thing, SPY is down about 5% and oil and gas has done well. Now, just from a historical perspective, we've seen oil and gas underperform. We've seen this you know, pretty substantial overperformance compared to the, the index here recently. And so I, I, I don't believe there's a ton of extra room to run. I think there's 25, maybe 40% cap max there, but uh, you know, this isn't a, 2x type um, situation in my opinion for um, oil and gas going further at least these names right there may be some smaller names that have the ability to double um, that are still suppressed but specifically these names i think we've seen a large run up as well as um, some really good returns in the last year now one thing i will highlight here and i think it is a risk is that you can see that exxon has definitely run up higher um, from a performance st standpoint in comparison to its peers. So there could be some downside risk just in that, um, or the other, uh, the inverse could be the op could the inverse could be true, meaning that the peers actually have a little bit more run up. That's not what I'm stating. I'm just saying that is a risk for Exxon that maybe they've gone up a little too fast, too quickly. All right, jumping into the fundamentals and financials, starting out with revenue, you can see in their latest couple quarters, they had 72 billion. In their recent quarter, they reported 84 billion. Now, what I've been doing with my oil and gas companies and all the stock analysis I've been doing since the pandemic is comparing it back to the 2019 numbers. Now, um, in Q4 uh, of 2019, or again, we're in Q4 of 2021 now, they reported 62 billion, uh, $62 billion in revenue. Now they're out to $84 billion in revenue. You can see from this time last year, yeah, this time during the pandemic, they're at 46. So you can see that they've almost doubled their revenue since the, the bottom of the pandemic, um, not the bottom of the pandemic, but you know this time last year during the pandemic. So we almost seen, we've definitely seen a recovery in terms of a revenue perspective. They're, um, you know, they're 33% higher basically than where they were in 2019. So all signs point to uh, good things from that perspective. And from a net income uh, perspective, it looks like we're also, um, on track for that as well. If we go to their net income, I think it's right here. You can see it's 8.87, uh, yeah, 8.87 billion. Um, and if we go back here to net income, yeah, you can see that their net in from a, from a quarterly basis, that's up quite substantially, uh, over the last couple quarters, they had 6.7, 4.6, 2.7. Um, and going back to 2019, they were at 5.6. So even net income, uh, you know, that's up $3 billion. Um, so that's over 50%, um, over 50% increase from 2019 uh, levels of, of output there. So that's, that is great news um, from a valuation perspective. So if we're, if we're saying there are $70 back in 2019 at this, then you know you it's reasonable to assume that they're worth more considering they're putting out three billion dollars extra or 50 percent more 
in net income just in the single quarter. If we're doing that single quarter over quarter comparison from 2021 Q4 to 20, um, 2019 Q4 results. Now I typically like to go through the balance sheet and look at their debt load. We can go ahead and look at their total liabilities, $169 uh, billion um, with long-term at 43 billion. Um, and then you can see that their total uh, cash position is at 4 billion, total assets, uh, total current assets at 55, um, net property, plant and equipment at 218, total assets at 336. So not a terrible debt comparison. Now, one thing I don't see in here, obviously this doesn't include Q4, but remember they did say that they paid down uh, around $20 billion in debt. This is from the slide uh, from their earnings release. Um, so I'm hoping that was, I'm assuming that was paid down part of long-term debt, um, this part here. So we'll see that cut down from about 43 down to 23 roughly. All right. So next up we have shares outstanding. The reason why this matters is this is where companies can dilute you if you're not paying attention. Now over the last five years, basically the increase is very minute and not really dilutive to a large degree. So very just negligible in this manner. But as I mentioned earlier, they did, they are initiating a $10 billion in buybacks. So you should see this decrease by about 3% from their current prices. Now moving on into their P&E ratio over the last several years, one of the things I wanted to pull up was what that is currently. So right now I'm calculating a PE value of about 14. Um, now on this chart, it shows zero. So if we look at their pri previous price to earnings over the last several years, you can see in 2016, it was very, very elevated, but back in 2014, when they were had a hundred dollar oil, they were at about eight. So obviously their uh, 14 is very high, but that includes some really suppressed numbers from the last three quarters. And if we assume that they can get eight, $8 billion in net income for the next three quarters, that's going to get them somewhere around 32. Now, remember in this quarter that they reported um, $8.8 billion, $8 .8 billion in net income. This is assuming that they have a decrease of $800 million for the next three quarters, and they average about $32 million in free cash flow moving forward, um, or net income, I should, I should say, specify there. So if for the next 12 months, they get, a, uh, they get that $32 billion in net income, that'll give them a, a PE ratio of around 10 um, after those three quarters are over. So it'll be somewhere close to around where they were trading beforehand. Um, again, pre-pandemic, they're trading about 12, um, uh, upwards of 15. So even from an appreciation perspective, if the valuations uh, get suppressed, meaning they're lower than where they were pre-pandemic, Exxon is still looking like they're in a good, healthy spot as they increase and get their earnings back up to where they were or actually exceed where they were pre-pandemic. So all things looking from a PE perspective, this is actually really positive news for Exxon. Now on to dividend information. Currently their uh, quarterly distribution is at 88 cents and their annual dividend is at $3.52. That means their dividend yield is at 4.7% four, uh, and their next dividend in date is um, the 9th of February. Now, one of the things that XOM has done over the course of the pandemic, they remain true to their dividend. They didn't decrease it. They um, actually increased their uh, dividend through the pandemic um, when others thought they should cut it. 
So if you are a dividend, um, you know, you really rely on your dividend. I think XOM is a safe bet if you um, really don't care about anything else besides uh, dividend security. All right, now for my final thoughts on XOM as an investment. So again, as I said, my price target is $90 to $100 a share, indicating about a 125 to 25% upside, or in my opinion, there could be a retracement down to $70 a share, um, and that would be a six to 12.5% downside on the negative side. Now, I've said this before, uh, the main thing with, with XOM, XOM or any oil gas company right now is you really need to be paying attention to oil prices and where you think they're going. Now, there's two main factors that supply and demand, and that is pretty common amongst all commodities, any industry um, altogether. So if we see any shutdowns, we're going to see a decrease in um, the demand side. And if we see a um, overproduction from OPEC or U.S. producers in the Permian Basin, we could see an oversupply there. But right now, everything looks to be um, on the right track. It looks like everything is starting to fall in line. Um, but we want to continue to see compliance from OPEC companies as well as some of the U.S. producers of oil and gas. Now, again, I've stated before that my strategy on oil is not a long-term investment. As I've shown before, over the last 10 years, they've been a terrible investment. And I believe at some point they will start to see basically normal, they will start to go back into that mode where they're going to see very uh, dismal performance over uh, a long period of time. Now, I don't think that's anytime soon. I still think there is possible, you know, considerable upside. And that's why I currently own four oil and gas stocks. Um, and I have my portfolio in a, in a previous video if you want to go out and look at it. Now, if oil prices start to, um, now if oil does go to 100, which I believe it has, I've stated that multiple times, I do believe that $90 is a very, very achievable goal. And I think if it sustains or if we see it break 100, we could see $100 XOM. Um, but I would be very, very cautious of entering the position uh, as it gets closer to 90. Now, um, if we do see a reversal in oil commodity prices, like we see those flip in demand, um, a flip in demand, or we see an increase in supply, and we see that oil commodity price drop, and it, it starts to see more of like a trend, and we stop seeing a momentum in the increase of these oil companies or an increase in the commodity prices, then I'm gonna start, I'm gonna have to reconsider my position in XOM, as again, I'm not a long-term oil and gas investor. I'm really just been playing this since the beginning of the pandemic as we saw prices drop 50 to 70% in some cases. Let me know what you plan to do with XOM down below, whether you plan to buy, hold, or sell. Um, I do videos on personal finance, investing, and stock analysis. Please consider subscribing if you found this helpful. Also hit that like button. I'll put a link to my oil and gas portfolio right around here somewhere. Thank you so much for watching today's video. My name is Frank, Frank Finance, out.